Well, good morning, LCM. Today is Sunday, November 22nd of 2020, and we're going to jump right into scripture today. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 46 and verse 10. Now, we're going to have some scripture for you today. Sometimes we're going to wait for you. Sometimes we're not, but you can handle it because you're LCM. Isaiah 46.10 says this, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still yet to come. Yeah. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. I love the attitude that the Lord displays. I love our God and how he speaks to us and says, by the way, I'm the one that calls my shots. I'm the one that calls the end from the beginning. From ancient times, I've already said stuff that still is yet to come to completion. Man, we need to trust in a God like that. We serve a God who makes known the end, the outcome, from before you get started in it. Man, those prophecies that you get in your life, the overall looking to the Aswan region. He's saying, I'm calling it from before you even know that there is a plan. I'm telling you what my plan is. His purpose purpose is perfect and it will stand and he's going to help every man and woman in this room accomplish it if you'll dedicate your life fully to him Mm. he's called his shot with us here at lcm he's made us known to us the plan for us to ultimately reach the nations in the aswan region and our god does what he pleases and he's going to do it with us can somebody say amen amen hasn't been encouraging that god has revealed to us a greater level of clarity of what his plan is And that his desire is that we fulfill that very purpose. The one that the Ancient of Days has set into motion and we get to participate in. In order for us to fulfill what that purpose is, it demands our obedience. It requires that we get on the other side of obedience. Y'all remember that from last Wednesday night? Wayne Gabe preached a fantastic message. That the other side of obedience is not a bitter burden. Instead, it is a righteous responsibility. It's a joy for us to be able to go to the full extent of on the other side of obedience. It's because our father has a vision. Our father has a vision that he wants us to become just as much invested in that vision as he is. And he's given us the opportunity and the tools to get fully on board with that vision. Well, in turn, this gives us as sons of the father. It gives us such clarity. It gives us direction. And it is our function and purpose to carry it out and further the Father's vision. Do y'all want to go further this morning? Well, to carry out the divine call and purpose that our Father has given us, we must have the divine nature of our Father flowing through us. It's got to be present. We have to accomplish a supernatural work by means of supernatural power. We want to accomplish the vision of this divine call. So turn with me to Titus chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 4. Say there when you're there. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out. Say poured out. Poured out. Whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Come on, somebody say generously. 
See, what you're looking at in this passage back in verse 4, when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared, He, who He, (laughs) who's the He that we're talking about? The kindness and love of God. That's who the He is. We're talking about Jesus Christ. He saved us not because of anything that we had done. Oh, no. Not because of anything righteous. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Can you acknowledge that in your own life, that you didn't find the Lord? He had to save you, rescue you, (laughs) pull you from the pit that you were stuck in? I found Jesus. You didn't find him? You didn't even know to look for him. You can't even find your wallet. I can't even find my wallet. (laughs) He saved us. He saved us not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth. Let that just settle in on your soul for just a second. The washing of rebirth. The filth that you were in that has now been washed. And the renewal is not even just enough to get washed by rebirth, but you got to get renewed by the Holy Spirit. Whom he poured out on us generously. He didn't just do it a little bit. See, that idea that he's poured it out upon us generously made me think of a little something. We've got a little slide here to help explain what I've been thinking about. Um, Nope, that's not the one. That's a good one. That will be the title of the sermon. Today's title is Pour Out All. There you go. That's the one. There we go. Calm down. Just calm down. See, what I started to think about was when you, when you want to pour something out, this idea that like a wine bottle that's pouring into a glass, this feels so refined, doesn't it? It actually made me think of Mandy Sheridan. That's what it made me think of. <laughs> little glass of wine at the end of the day. See, but this is not the kind of uh, pouring out that we really want you to understand today. If you look at this picture, what does it feel? It feels calming to some. Some of you are offended because I have a glass of wine. It's okay. You'll get over it. It's all right. It's just a picture. Relax. What we have here is you can see by the poising of both the bottle and the glass that there's no intention of pouring out all. The bottle's not in a position to be able to pour out all. It is designed. It's pouring out. It's something that's, that's good. Man, it looks really nice. It's actually kind of welcoming and warming. But what it does is it's not designed. This picture does not communicate. Let's pour it all out. This looks like, wow, that's a nice little portion there in the glass. Perhaps that's enough for you. Maybe we're going to be a little bit more than that. Maybe we double. Actually, I tell you what, let's fill up the whole glass. But it still remains something in the bottle. No matter what the glass receives, the bottle is not going to be empty as this begins. But what we're talking about is having something that is more generous in what is being poured out. This is measured. This is limited. This is in a posture that says, I'm pouring, but I have no intention of pouring all. Now, with this image still up here, the glass, uh, I think by typical means and measure, that when you have a one glass of wine, is it all the way up to the top, the brim of the glass? No. Typically. For some of you, it may be. But <laughs> it's usually somewhere around that lower third. Well, the idea here is that there's never an intention for there to be uh, a full measure being poured out. So let's go to the next slide. <clears throat> 
So if you can see it very clearly, this is a two-liter Sprite bottle with the bottom cut out, and it's being held with the bottom now cut out facing up. Water is being poured from the top, and it is completely flowing through that vessel. This image, as we, we continue to look at it, this is what the Lord showed me in 2012. The Lord began to speak to me. He said, Matt, you've been pouring out for decades. You've been pouring and pouring, and as you would pour and get near empty, you would return to an upright state. You would receive an infilling from me. You'd be refilled and keep pouring out. You've been diligent. But now I'm bringing you to a point where you can have no reserve. And the image that he showed me was this Sprite bottle. And it was not yet cut on that back end. It was tilted at an angle of pouring out. But you know that little cup at the bottom, you know, the, where the bottle narrows? And that even as you're pouring out, it's still holding a bit of reserve in that bottom. That almost, it's a, let's just put a percentage to it. That it's somewhere around, I don't know, 10% still remaining in the bottle. That I was telling the Lord, yes, I'm being obedient. I'm pouring out 90% of who I am. And the Lord said, for this next stage of what you're called to do, you can't even hang on to that 10% of reserve. You have to be put in a position of complete and utter dependency on me to pour through you at all times. This is the attitude that has built the kingdom of God. This is the attitude that has built this house, that has built the one association. It's pouring out with no limit. The Lord was showing me, you are limiting yourself. You're limiting me moving through you by just thinking that you can become upright and refilled and pour out again. I want you to circumcise your heart. I want that area of what is limited to be removed so that who I am can be poured through you and who he is is limitless. There was an exchange that was happening. An exchange for the limitless instead of the limited. But here's the thing. I didn't realize how much I was scared of that. It's noble. It's a, it's a righteous thing to be in that position, but we are scared to death to be in that position where we have no opportunity for reserve. And here's the fear. Lord, what if I run dry? What happens when it stops flowing? I can tell you this. Before I could experience God's continual flow of his power, his presence, his anointing to move through me, I first had to remove my own security of what I held in reserve. I had to remove that fear of, I might potentially feel dry by not having a reserve. You know what I was unaware of when the Lord spoke this to me? That four months later, he was going to tell me to quit my secular job and fully step away and depend on him to be in full-time ministry, doing what I do now for seven years up to this date. I had no idea how much of my strength I was holding on to. And the reason that I was fearful of being dry is because I was so used to depending on my reserve of my own strength to supplement whenever I didn't feel the Lord moving through me. But he wanted me in a place of desperation and dependency. 
You see, from the day that I was born again, I was called to pour out all. Say that with me. Pour out all. Pour out all. From the day that you were born again, you were called to pour out all. And the maturing process of a believer means that you're going to have to come to this point where you realize that you have to pour out all. There's nothing held in reserve for the kingdom because nothing was held in reserve to us by our king who called us. Church, we've got to be honest with you today. There's a bit of a deceptiveness about you keeping a reserve. It feels reasonable. Yeah. It feels controlled. It feels only like you're being a good steward of what God has given. I got to encourage you that that's not what built this house. That's not what gonna, is what's going to build your house. Right. And it's not what's going to get us to the kingdom and taking over the Aswan region for God. Right. It's not going to do it. You have to learn how to pour out all, all day, every day. Now, i got a lot of heads shaking, not many mouths moving because you, you're afraid of actually saying it out loud at this point. But see, there's something that God has poured into your pastors today, and we're going to pour it all out into you. Amen. We're not going to hold anything back. We don't have any secrets that we're waiting to give to you. See, that's part of what happens here as a church is you learn to give out everything you have every time. Yeah. But what if someone else comes and needs something? Then the Lord will pour into you and give you more. Yes. See, that is what's got to change, else you end up actually holding on to dregs inside because you're not pouring it out fully. If you want to have a pure pour, if you want to be able to pour it all out and it be something that is heavenly, do you see how smooth that water entry is from the heavens? Do you see what a smooth pour that is? What is it like on the bottom of that thing? It's like forceful men taking the kingdom by force. It's a torrent. Come on, Brent Vincent. It is a torrent that comes out of us. Why? Because he keeps pouring in. And the key is that you're not trying to hold any of it Amen. to yourself. You're not trying to hold any back. And we're going to be a fountain to you guys today so that you can be a fountain to the nations. We actually want to give you seven ways today. Somebody say seven. Seven. We're going to give you seven ways for you to be a fountain to the nations today. Are y'all ready for this? Come on now. Somebody say, we pour out all. We pour out all. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 37. Say pour out all when you get there. Go ahead and put the slide up. No, before Pastor reads this, this verse. Sorry. What moved our hearts is that such a clear refining and restating of what our church is called to. That we are the Aswan team. We are going to send families to the Aswan region. It's what do I do now? Well, we're going to put into practice what we've always put into practice. But the Lord has been so gracious to pour into us these seven steps that show what you do right now, what you will practice in here so that you can be equipped to perform out there. Ezekiel 37 verse 5 says this. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. <laughs> I will make breath enter you yeah, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will breathe. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am yeah. the Lord. Amen. See what is happening here is we've got to learn how to pour out all even our breath. What's happening here is you know that it's a vision that, I, that Ezekiel is getting. 
He's out in a valley of dry bones. This is for the nation of Israel, but we see how it relates to us today as well. That those dry areas, those lifeless, hopeless, helpless, breathless parts of us, that God promised, his promise to us is that he will have a limitless supply of his breath enter into these bones and into these bones today. That his breath that he pours in, the Lord is surely going to make something rattle. Somebody say rattle. He is surely going to make these bones rattle. But what is going to cause the rattling? The rattling is his very breath that's entering into them. And he says it twice in the same passage. I'm going to make my breath enter you and you will come to life. Then you will know that the I am, that the very breath, that the very spirit, that the very life of God himself has entered into you. Why? Because you become what he is. He puts his life on the inside of you by giving you his breath, by pouring out all into you that you might receive of the breath of the life of God himself. Let's turn to Daniel chapter 10 and see how this progresses further. Say pour out all whenever you get there. Daniel 10 verse 16. Then one who looked like a man touched my lips and I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing before me, I am overcome with anguish because of the vision. My Lord, I feel very weak. Or can I say that whenever God calls you to something, it's going to be greater than the resources that you currently have or that you will probably ever have? That the vision always outpaces the resources and it's to the point that the enormity of it begins to sit on your chest and you cannot physically breathe? Daniel goes on to say in verse 17, how can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. How do you know that you're really on track with fulfilling God's vision when you can hardly breathe? Pastor Wade joined us in 2014 and he had been around and in ministry for many years, but he got here and he said, hey guys, I I don't know what's really going on, but... I think I'm thinking I'm not feeling well. I may have a virus or something. I just feel this weight. It's like it's constantly on my chest. You know, I'm not thinking about anything. It's just there. What exactly is that? It feels like I'm always at the bottom of the deep end of a swimming pool. Is it supposed to feel? I can't hardly breathe. I, I go out every day and I, I just can't breathe. And these guys just laughed at me. They were like, <laughs> yep, that's exactly what being a pastor feels like. That's ministry, brother. <laughs> It's the weight of responsibility of carrying out the vision of your father. It's something to be embraced, something to rejoice in, but it does require you to give all of your breath to fulfill that vision. And the hope is this is the very thing that we read in Ezekiel. I will breathe into you, but you have to empty all of your breath first. This is what's happening with Daniel. Verse 18 is the encouragement that we are receiving this morning. And it goes with, again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. When you get to that point where you are pouring out all of your breath for the sake of fulfilling your father's vision, anticipate, know with certainty that the one from heaven is going to touch you, revive you, and give you strength to give the next breath that you got to give. What Daniel was learning at this moment is how to pour out all of his strength that was limited so that he could be open 
and ready to receive a strength that was limitless from his father. That's what we're getting this morning. We're starting the very first step. It actually coincides with the word that Adam Cora gave during worship. That let everything that has breath praise the Lord. When you begin to feel that tightening of chest and that the vision of the Father sitting on you, lift up your hands and your head and let the praise of your God begin to come out. Then the strength of God will replace the breath that you have poured out all for others. Church, doesn't it seem like we should start somewhere else besides start? By pouring out your very breath, very life. Shouldn't we kind of build up to this? That's not how the kingdom works. It starts out where you have to give your life to receive his life. It starts out with the fact that you have to die and be those dry bones that his breath might enter you. Consider what Jesus did. You don't have to turn here. Luke 24. Jesus, I'm, I'm sorry, Luke 23. Jesus calls out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last. Jesus literally showed us what this was going to take for us. He breathed his last there on the cross. He poured it all out. He left none in reserve. And we've got to learn to pour it out in the same way. But what did Jesus do in John 20? John 20, 22, it says this. And with that, Jesus, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Why do we do those two verses in that order? Because one is Jesus giving his last breath on the cross. And then this is the resurrected Jesus. Get it. This is the resurrected Jesus. We're still in the book of John, but he's already gone through the cross. And now he stands victorious. And what does he do after the resurrection? On the other side of obedience, he is now able to pour out breath into the apostles, into the disciples, that they might have the same type of Holy Spirit power, the same type of life in them. Just like a valley of dry bones. Jesus is having to breathe into them so that they can really come alive. Well, what had they been doing for the three and a half years before this? They had been pouring out. But they were soon going to learn how to pour out all. Yeah. Every one of these men had to give their last breath for the kingdom to advance. Every one of them. That's good. It would be our greatest honor in this church to raise up men who can give their last breath to honor the kingdom of God. See, we're going to pour out all our breath. Somebody say, pour out all. Pour out all. We pour out all our breath knowing that his limitless supply fills us and so we become a fountain. But what kind of fountain? We become a fountain of life to the nations just as Jesus Christ demonstrated. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Let's put up our next slide. The second item that we're going to pour out all is our blood. Turn with me to Leviticus 4. We'll start in verse 5. Say pour out all when you get there. Then the anointed priest shall take us some of the bull's blood and carry it into the tent of meeting. He is to dip his finger into the blood and sprinkle some of it seven times before the Lord in front of the curtain of the sanctuary. The priest shall then put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of fragrant incense. This is the golden altar that is before the Lord in the tent of meeting. The rest of the bull's blood. Say the rest. The rest. The rest of the bull's blood he shall pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering at the entrance to the tent of meeting, otherwise known as a bronze altar. See what's happening here in Leviticus 4 is that the commandments are being given for a priest who is dealing with personal sin. 
and is the means by which he can be restored back to the flow of shalom in right order with God and right order with men. And is given the prescribed way of slaughtering a bull to carry out this sacrifice. And the way that that, that happens, we're all very familiar with the layout of the tabernacle, is that blood uh, bull is slaughtered at the bronze altar. But we see here in this verse that he's to carry some of its blood into the holy place where you have the fragrant incense being burned on the golden altar. It's there that he is to sprinkle that bull's blood seven times on the curtain and then exit back out and back at the bronze altar, pour the remaining amount of the bull's blood on the base or the foundation of what establishes right order. That sacrifice before God. What this is, and you see it in your, in your mind, that this is a constant circle of sacrifice. You're entering through the gates of praise, going to that bronze altar. Now, sprinkling that blood at the curtain, which is right by the golden altar, and returning back by the way that you entered. Does everybody see that circle of sacrifice? Well, it's to be sprinkled seven times so that you could have this complete sacrifice to God that is giving or pouring out all. That was the requirement. Pouring out all because what God wanted there to be is right order with God and man and that they, the nation of Israel, would therefore be a fountain of salvation to the nations. And it began with the priesthood. Remember, this is addressing the priest right order with God and man. So as the priests begin to get right, what happens? The people begin to get right. Yeah. Then the nation gets right. It's almost like one life, one family, one nation at a time. And now that that nation is right, they can then be a fountain to the nations. Yeah, it's, it's important that you not make this about, and by the way, this passage is talking about the anointed priest. This is the prescription for the anointed priest. But lest you think that we're talking about the men on a stage because we have a title and a calling of pastor... You should know better than that by now, right? You understand that this anointed priest is talking about you. That when you get this right, there's something. When you understand a full price sacrifice, when you understand what it's like to be fully poured out in your sacrifice, that not any part of your sacrifice is wasted. That not any part of it, that you have to pour out the entire sacrifice. See, here at LCM, because it's kingdom truth, we don't measure you by how much you give. You shouldn't measure yourself by how much you've given, but rather by how much you've kept in reserve. Mm. How much of your life that you are pouring out? How much of your breath that you're pouring out? How much of the blood and the sacrifice that you're pouring out? That is the measure of what we're talking about today. That you might pour out all until there's nothing left. Yes, but what will I do for me and my family? You'll trust that he will pour back into you with his limitless supply. Yes. This is how this works. This is how the kingdom is advanced. This is what makes what God is doing in our midst and in the one association different from most of the other places that you've ever seen. Is we're saying, yes, you must give all. Not, wow, congratulations, you gave all a long time ago. You're done. Let's check you off the list. We're saying, did you give all yesterday? Praise God, let's celebrate that. But did you give all today? Will you give all tomorrow? This is what it means to be pouring out fully. Do you realize that without that last step of the priest pouring out the remainder of the rest of the bull's blood at the base of the altar, that entire process would be incomplete? 
that what the Lord is calling us to is to pour out all of our blood for the king, that there's not an ounce that is outside of his lordship, that we are to complete every step of sacrifice that he demands of us so that salvation can come to the nations. Church, we give all we have every single time. Look at me. We give all we have every single time. In every area, all day, every day. That is the kind of mentality, that is the kind of heart, that is the kind of passion that must be developed in every one of us. Not just for the few, not just for the select, but for all of us. <laughs> We're all select in this, in this way. Church, we pour out all our blood knowing that his limitless supply fills us, and so we become a fountain of sacrifice. The nations are hinging on us becoming a fountain of sacrifice for the nations just as Jesus Christ was. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 20. We're going to put the next slide up here. Numbers chapter 20 is going to help us to understand. First, we pour out all of our breath, of our, of our life. We become a fountain of life to the nations. Then we pour out our blood. We become a fountain of sacrifice for the nations. You think you're going to reach the nations and not have to sacrifice all? That's a fantasy. Yeah. But we understand the reality of the kingdom in this house. We can see it in your lives. What we're trying to do is motivate you and help you to understand that this is the way. That this is the exact way that God has prescribed for us. That we don't have to be fearful about what is coming. Because once you get used to pouring all, all the time, then it feels like you start learning what it's like to have God constantly speak to you. Yeah. You start understanding what it's like to have his presence constantly with you. I have nothing. And here I am. I'm going to step up and do something again. And I'm going to trust that his limitless supply will come in and fill me every time. Every day, every conversation, every prayer. This is what we are, must work towards to be a fountain to the nations. Look at Numbers 20. We see how this works here. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff. <laughs> and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that, the so that they and their livestock can drink. Church, this is the Lord's instruction to Moses. He says, take your staff. Understand what the authority that God has granted to you. And by the way, grab your brother. Well, that sounds like something we teach here, huh? Grab your brother. Make sure you're not doing that by yourself. As a matter of fact, we're to the point now where it kind of feels weird for any one of us to preach by ourselves. Yeah, true. Hey, just grab a brother. Why aren't you grabbing a brother to do that? Gather the assembly together, the importance of the assembly, and speak to the rock in front of everybody. You're not doing these things behind. You're not leaving a reserve that you can say, if I was wrong, then at least it was off in private. Wow. God said, do this in front of everybody. Get the assembly together. And the rock itself, it will pour out its water. What a crazy statement. It's a rock. Rocks don't have water. But this one does because God says that it does. And as they speak, it brings out water for the community, for the assembly that's there so that they and their livestock can, livestock can drink. God is even worried about the animals that these people possess. 
He's saying, I'm not just going to give enough for you. I'm not just going to give enough water for you. I'm going to pour it out in such a way that it is so abundant, that it is enough of a supply to reach both the people and their livelihoods. Come on, Come on church. you got to understand to reach out to the Lord. To allow him to pour out, even in the water of your life, the very strength of your life, that he would pour out, that he might pour into you. You keep pouring out so that his limitless supply will continue to pour into you. And it makes you a fountain to the nations. It makes you a man and a woman. When you pour out all in obedience, when you pour out all of your strength, that it fills and feeds the community and even what the community is doing for their livelihood. Saints, can't you... You trust the character of God at all times? We should. Our, our flesh revolts against it. But thinking about this passage in Numbers 20, think about what, what led up to this point. See, Deuteronomy says, it is I who cause you to hunger and thirst in a desert so that you may know. If you're coming to that point where you are thirsting for the water of God, everything seems dry around you. It's because God is bringing you to a place that he is going to open up the fountain of life to pour inside of you. And in turn, you are going to pour out that same water. Let me read this to you. This is John 4, 13. We'll put it up on the screen. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them, say in them, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So we have three things that are very clear in this at play. One is this water. Everybody say this water. This water. This water is your own natural strength. If you drink from the well of your own natural strength, it is guaranteed you will be thirsty again. A certainty. But when you begin to drink the water that he gives you, you will never thirst again. There is a promise that we will never run dry. Because the God that we serve is an eternal fountain that always flows. We just got to get in right shalom with him to be able to access it. There's a moment in history in in Judges where this man named Samson just gets through defeating a bunch of Philistines with a jawbone. Throws it down, and he is wore out. He needs to be refreshed. He goes and he cries out to the living God. And what does God do? God opens up a fountain to him. The place is called Inhakor. And Inhakor means a fountain to him who cries out. What happens whenever your strength is empty and gone? You respond by crying out for God to open up that fountain. And from that fountain, he begins to impart his strength in you. There is an eternal, an everlasting source of strength and life that's always available for us. Even when, and especially when, my strength is completely gone. That's where God gets the most glory. His strength is limitless say limitless limitless there's no end to his strength that he will pour into us again and again you know what our pace of life right now that i love and want to continue to increase i thought was impossible 10 years ago there's no way that we can go harder in the paint about this thank you spence for that term There's no way. I see such a limited capacity in our own strength as a church to be any more busy and active in discipleship. Man, was I wrong. 
God circumcised my own strength away from me so he could teach me about his limitless strength that we're living in right now. And we still got some more to go. Amen. See, drinking from the rock, Christ the rock, gives us the access to supernatural strength that not only causes you to never thirst, but it to you, you also become a spring of that same living water. Every person, every family in this room is called to be a fountain to the nations. You're called to be a spring of living water, but that requires that you are accessing the spring of living water to become that. We pour out all our strength knowing that his limitless supply of living water will fill us. And so we become a fountain of strength to the nations just as he was. So let's share with you now our fourth one. Let's put it on the next slide. We pour out all of our oil. Turn with me to 1 Samuel 16. We'll start in verse 1. Say pour out all when you get there. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Hmm. Since I have rejected him as king over Israel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. See, the understanding here is that Samuel, Samuel is an anointed divinely enabled, empowered man of God. He set upon a divine task. In fact, he was anointed and called out as a boy, a itty bitty baby boy, wearing the priest garments as a boy in the house of God as a boy, being raised up from a boy and now into a man who was anointed wearing the garments. And now he's seeking to make disciples that are anointed for the same divine task. But there's been a tragedy. There's been a defection. Saul has completely and utterly failed. So this man that he anointed as king because the people wanted a king is now falling on his face. And what do I do about this, man? He's not engaging in warfare. He's just watching, waiting for somebody else to lead. Well, this brings something to mind for us. How difficult is it to pour out the anointing God has poured upon you and not have things work out in other disciples? It's, it's almost a certainty. When you begin to pour out the oil that God's given you, looking at the results directly in them is going to be discouraging at times. You're going to begin to mourn over the saws in your life. You have poured into life day in and day out, year after year, and then they walk away over some silly offense that is just a big red herring and a justification for why they didn't want to continue in discipleship. That's happened more times than I can count here at LCM. And it's a normative part of the experience of making disciples. I see it here in Samuel's life and I see it in our life. But there's a response that we have to have. It's the response that God is giving Samuel, that God is giving us. See, it's not about something working out. It's just about the obedience to pour out. Go fill your horn with oil again, son. Be ready to pour out what I've always poured into you because there's more disciples out there that need what you have. See, we look at how things worked out to determine how we should keep pouring out. That's the problem. That's not how the kingdom works, though. 
When we look at how things work out to determine how we should keep pouring out, we are removing ourselves from the heavenly flow that is limitless, and we are making it a limited supply. Come on, now that's a good word from Pastor. This idea that when you start measuring how much you pour out by how you think it's going to work out? No. Is that just Pastor Matt? Is that no. just me in this house? No. This is one of the things that keeps us from pouring out. Man, I tried that. I yeah, did what you did guys it. are saying. But then what started to happen was that I started seeing that it didn't work out the way that I think that it should. So what I did was I quit pouring out all. This is the pattern of all of humanity. It takes something special for the Lord to say, why are you still mourning over the one who didn't work out? <laughs> Get up. Yes. Fill your horn with oil. Get it. Get that limitless supply back in you and start pouring out some more. Amen. The answer when something isn't working out is not for you to quit pouring out. That is our human nature. Man, yes. I wish I would have had more in reserve now because it didn't work out. God says you better ignore that, fill up, and keep pouring Amen. out. Amen. Come on, you got to get something inside of you today. We're going to move on. But you got to get this down in your spirit today. I'm looking at you. I'm feeling the nature of this room. And I'm going, man, Lord, don't let us miss this. Pastor Matt is getting it. We, we spend far too much time measuring how much we're actually going to pour out. It's true. Contemplating. What if this doesn't? I'm 95% sure this is going to work out. So I'm going to keep 5% five back, five back for myself. That's not actually the kingdom. I can assure you, you won't fulfill your calling like that. But those who give all in trusting themselves, faith-filled actions that show that God has to pour into you his limitless supply, or you won't make it. It's true. That's what shows that you're walking in the kingdom the way that it's necessary. This is what God is revealing to us. When you're dedicated to pouring out without measuring how it works out, you know what that keeps you from saying? I am anointed failure. Man, I'm just an anointed failure. Look how much God has anointed me, and it's not producing anything in my disciples. But when you're dedicated to just being poured out, pouring out all at all times, Man, you're looking for the next opportunity to pour that anointing upon. What is that next opportunity? You know what? Even if it's not working out with the person in front of me, I'm going to trust that God's going to supernaturally empower me to supernaturally transform them. That's what they need. People need the anointing of God flowing through you at all times. It is what keeps the light and the lamp of God burning within you. You know, from the first moment that we built out a garage in a in, in a home here in Sugarland, invited neighbors on the right and the left, and both of them said, No, we're not going to come to church in your weird little garage church. You know what we did anyway? We had church. Why? Because the lampstand of God was still burning. That we were going to be dedicated to pour out all, not depending on people's responses to determine whether or not we should. That's what built this house. That's what continues to build this house. And that's what's going to reach that region of a swan. Let's look at verse 13. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him. 
he found David out of all the brothers, in the presence of his brothers. Well, there they are again. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. From that day on, Samuel then went to Ramah. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him. We're not talking about a sip of Chardonnay kind of anointing here. You know that Samuel poured out all of his oil upon King David. From that day on, there was no Goliath yet, folks. There was no cave of Adullam yet. There was no ruling in Hebron or ruling in Jerusalem. There was none of that yet. He was just a boy. But from that day on, from what day on? The day that a man of God poured out upon his life, it changed him forever. But it took a lot of years for you to be able to see how much he had been changed. You saw glimpses of it in in later chapters about Goliath. But it took years for him to actually ascend to the throne. That's why it takes men who can see this way, live this way, and say, I'm going to pour out all. Why? Because it may transform this lowly boy into a king. It may transform this life in a way that they will be empowered for forever. When one man understands how to pour out all of the oil that he's got. When one man understands to empower other people with all that he's got. Exhausting himself to do it. There is something special because it makes you a fountain of strength to these nations. It makes you a fountain of empowerment for them. But it only comes as you learn to pour out all. Let's take a look at the next slide. We're going to go on. Somebody say, we pour out all. We pour out all. We're going to look at the word of God. Come on now. Can you feel it building inside of your heart? Turn to Malachi chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2 and verse 5. Again, we're talking to the Levites. Again, we're talking to the descendants of Levi who stood with Moses even over, his own, even over their own family members. God is renewing and he says, my covenant was with him. A covenant of life and peace and I gave them to him. This called for reverence and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. I love that that's what we're building here at this church. People who can revere him and stand in awe of his greatness. Verse 6. True instruction was in his mouth. And nothing false was on his lips. I'm going to come back to that in a second. True instruction and nothing false. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge. Come on priest in this room. The lips of a priest ought to preserve, it ought to guard, it ought to shamar knowledge. Using the Hebrew word there. Because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty and people seek instruction from his mouth. God makes covenants, God makes a covenant with men and women who guard his word, who guard his covenant. For the sake of the word and according to his will, may God be at work in your life. That his good spirit would lead you onto level ground in his word. That he has exalted his name and his word above all else. So says Psalm 138. 
This idea of us being ones who pour out constantly the word, not your word, not what you're thinking, not your opinion, but the actual word of God is you beginning to exalt the name and the word of God the way that God does. This idea that true instruction was in his mouth, that has to be the word and nothing false. It's both. It seems like it should just be one item there in six, right? True instruction and nothing false. Well, if you have true instruction, wouldn't it seem to, to take care of the other? Apparently not. One is I could say what the word of God says. The something false is you still saying what you want to say. One is I can tell you what the word, this is what the word of God said. More than a dream, more than a cloud formation, more than just a good feeling. I actually have the word of God to direct me. But then us wanting to add something to it. See, you've got to have both true instruction and nothing false because the lips of a priest preserve knowledge. What you got to do is learn how to pour out the word, pour out the word, pour out the word, pour out the word, and may God's limitless supply come in and fill you Amen. again. You want to look smart? Quit worrying about looking smart. Start showing wisdom in your speech because you reflect the word of God perfectly. Quit being afraid somebody's going to look at you and think that you're stupid. Start speaking the word to them. It's the very life of God. It is his word that he has exalted. Therefore, we must exalt it. It is not only supreme, it is sufficient. It is is supreme in everything that it does for us. We've got to have lips that are pouring out all of the word. How is it that you guys do that? How is it that you can come in? We have the Mutons here with us this weekend. You know, I love elders because what they did is they prayed and they got a word while they were driving from Baton Rouge. It's not completely appropriate, but they were, they were making sure that they had written down what God had for them because they were going to get here and they were looking to pour out all of the word that God had given them. They were looking for opportunities. This is what you do. This is what we do. Somebody say, this is what we do. This is what we do. We pour out all of the word in every situation. What pastor just said is incredible. That when we are dedicated to pouring out all the word, we are constantly looking for opportunities to pour it all out. You know, one of the greatest fears that you will have if you haven't experienced already is that after receiving a string of revelations and uh, words that God gives you, the fear is, will it happen again? But Lord, I I just got through pouring out everything that I, I received from you. Is this going to happen again? That's a real fear that you're going to have to confront. And you confront it with the idea of he absolutely will pour it all out in me again. By the way, this is what your pastors do every time we're with you. We never try to hold anything back from you. We teach you everything that we've learned in the last two days, and we pour it out as much as we can. Wouldn't it be better for us to keep something back for ourselves? No. No, it wouldn't at all. It would actually become stale, and you'd find the dregs coming out. We literally pour out all we got. We exhaust ourselves before you then go, what are you going to do next time? I have no idea. Mm, mm. You guys got away from it and pour it into us. The Lord will have to pour something else into us, and he always does. How many times have you sat with one of the elders or pastors, and they just even referenced a scripture, and it was the very thing that you were reading that morning? Can I tell you what happens on the inside of us? Right before we say that scripture, it's a 
mild, slight nudge. It is not an overt magnification of, you need to say this scripture. Never. It is, you know what? I, I think Isaiah 55, 9 just comes to my mind. I'm, I'm going to trust that God is pouring into me. I don't need this clear, defined, you know, uh, landing strip with lights on it to tell me that this is God's will. When you trust the nudges that the Spirit is magnifying to you about His Word, it is going to demonstrate your dedication to pouring out all that He gives you. Nothing in reserve. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 2 and look at verse 2. Say, pour out all when you get there. Pour out all. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills. And all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Something that we should see very clearly in this passage is that there's a reason why God is exalting Israel. He's exalting them as that highest of mountains so that he could pour out his word to the nations through Israel. Well, look at this in a, in a personal example. See yourself in the mirror of God's word. Why does God exalt you? God exalts you because he is wanting to pour out his word to all the nations through you. It's not for your glory. It's not for your splendor. It's not even to resolve your insecurity or ego. It is for the sole purpose of there are other people that are dying to hear God's word through you. And as he begins to exalt you, he's going to give you his word to speak to them. And when you are pouring out all of his word, you are feeding the nations as a fountain of his word. See, Psalm 119, 130 says this, the unfolding of your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. I stand here as one who has experienced this. I don't mean the unfolding of his words. I mean in giving understanding to the simple. I'm a recipient of revelation from heaven that has transformed me from simple to now more than simple. I am transformed into a son of God who knows how to rightly handle and divide God's word. I'm transformed into a son of God that has a house that is a fountain to the nations. That no matter where my feet stay on this planet, I'm going to do what I've always been doing. And that is pouring out all of the word that God gives me. I'm going to sit in couches in Kenya and Nairobi. And I'm going to pour into them just like I sit on my couch and pour into you. And I see the exact same result. I see people's lives transformed, born again, spirit filled, set on a course for the rest of their life to fulfill their mezuzah. This is what we do. Zion was a fixed reference point. That the law would go out from this fixed reference point. And that it was demanded that it would flow from Zion in order to accomplish God's will, which was to acquire the obedience of the nations. Why does the Lord give you revelation of his word? It's what you need, but more so, it's what they need. As you pour out, 
out all of the word the Lord is pouring into you, you are then becoming a fountain to the nations, starting with the person directly in front of you. Everybody look up at me. Whenever you are pouring out all the word that God is giving you and becoming a fountain to nations, it begins with the person directly in front of you. You don't have to wait, and you should not wait to stand in the region of a swan to start doing what you should do in a swan. It begins now. That means when this service is over, you know what you're going to look for the opportunity to do? Pour out all the word that God has given you. You know what you're going to do tonight and tomorrow and all the days of your life? You're going to look to put into practice what you see us do on a daily basis and therefore prepare you for the future. Let's take a look at this next slide. Somebody say, we pour out all. Pour out all. Whether it's our breath, the very life that's within us, whether it's the blood, the sacrifice, or the water, that, that all of our strength, the oil, the empowerment of God, His Word, are here we're going to see intercession that we must pour out. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 53. Say pour out all when you get there. Isaiah 53 verse 12. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong. Because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many. But praise God, this verse doesn't stop right here. And made intercession for the transgressors. Well, as we are getting right with God, as we are pouring out all of the previous five items and we come to this sixth one of intercession, it is now you are standing in that place of being in right order with God and you can acquire the coordinates of heaven to partner with God's will. You can intercede and cause change on earth as you engage the heavenly realms. Every person in this room has the responsibility and the access and power to intercede on others' behalf. You have been washed by the blood. You have been washed by his water. You have been anointed by his oil. You have been given his word and his breath. Now you can stand in their stead and watch transformation happen in their life just like it's happened in yours. In 1 Timothy 2, it says this, I urge you then, first of all. Somebody say, first of all. First of all. I'm urging you, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Church, we're doing the same thing for you here today. That you begin to pour out all. First of all, I urge you to pour out all of your prayers, all of your intercession. Why? Because this is good and it pleases God our Savior. He desires that all men be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. But it requires people who are going to pour out all. Even our intercession. That we present it to Him. Because as we learn to pray, as we get that... Uh, we pour out all of our intercession. That limitless supply of his will begins to come in. Do you need to understand his will more in your life? Yes. Do you know how you do that? You begin to pour out. See, so much of what we're saying today, it may seem simple, but we're giving you a key that unlocks so much. What do you need in the kingdom? Well, you, I need this. Then pour out in that area. What you need is to pour out to the fact that he will then pour in with his limitless supply. That's what you need to do. 
in every area, in your, in your intercession, that the smoke of the incense combined with the prayers of the saints may be offered up before the Lord and he will combine that with fire and come and move things on this earth. Amen. Church, we pour out our intercession knowing that the limitless supply of his will being poured in will fill us. And so we become a fountain of God's will to the nations. Church, we're about to wrap this up. We have just a few minutes left, but we've got a little bit more to pour out. Amen. We're going to pour out our all to you. Let's look at this last slide. It says this. We, everybody say this with me. Say, we pour out all. We pour out all. All of your breath. All of your blood. All of the water. All of the oil. All of the word. All of the intercession. And we're just going to say it for you in case you missed it. Pour out all. Amen. Yeah. Pour out your all. Hebrews chapter 5. With one of our last verses here, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7. Come on, get this with me as we're pouring out the last of the all here that we have. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petition with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Church, are you getting this? During Jesus' days on earth, during his life here in a human form, he poured out all. He poured out all of his prayers. He poured out all of his petitions. He poured out all of his tears, all of his crying, all of his desires. He poured it all out. Verse, and he was heard because of that. Verse 8 says, son, though he was. Don't skip that phrase. That's important. Son of God, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. He was made perfect because he poured out all the time. He poured out all, all of the time. And that's the son of God. I am not putting this lesser of his deity. I'm saying that this is the son of God and he had to do it this way. How much more do we need to understand that it's got to be that we pour out all, all of the time? This is yeah. exhausting. Yes, it, it is. is. This is going to, I don't think I can do it. You're probably right. <laughs> but this is the only way that you can do it. Amen. If you are feeling tired and worn out, it's because you actually haven't gotten all the way over yet. You haven't gotten it all the way out where he has to fill you constantly. You're still trying to do it. And you're still trying to sip Chardonnay with us. While that may be a relaxing end to your evening, it is no way for men and women of God to advance the kingdom of God on this planet. He became the source of eternal salvation. He became the fountain of salvation because he wasn't trying to bottle anything up. He poured it all out and he actually became the source, the fountain of eternal salvation. Let's put up Revelation 7, 17 for everybody to see. For the lamb at the center of the throne, 
will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The reason we pour out all is because we're certain and we know that his limitless supply will always be there to fill us. And in turn, we become a fountain of his salvation to the nations. I want to ask you this. Where is the lamb in this passage? He's at the center of the throne. He's at the center of the throne because that's where we find the source of our shepherding. What are we aiming at this entire message, really this entirety of our lives? We're aiming at his lordship of our life. And we find that lordship at his throne. It's what our goal is. I want to get to that place. I want to get to that place where I'm standing before his throne and I'm not ashamed at my life. I'm not ashamed that I held anything in reserve, but I want to stand before him fully confident that I've poured all out. His name, his character, his reputation demands it. It's worth it. From his lordship, from that lordship that comes from the lamb at the center of the throne, then leads us to springs of living water. So we can become springs of living water. I cried out in my bedroom. Some number of years ago when I was first born again. I said, take the throne of my life. I knew what it meant and I didn't know what it meant. I knew what it meant that I no longer wanted to control my own life. I knew that he was the only one that could and do it in a way that brought me springs of living water. So I want this to weigh on your hearts this morning. When you stand before his throne, will you be able to say, I poured out all for you. I poured out all, all the time. And our hearts have to respond. But we must. Stand to your feet. Church, the beauty of this scripture is, is as you're praying through the tabernacle, you may envision a lot of things when you get to the throne. I want to encourage you to be envisioning the lamb that's sitting there shepherding you. We've got a secret for you, and we've given it to you this entire sermon. The secret of what built this house is an attitude that says, I'm going to pour out all, all the time. I'm going to exhaust myself. Shouldn't you slow down? No, I can't. I'm not looking for reserves. I'm not looking to have something in a bottle that's measured, that's limited. I am looking to get to the Holy Spirit that is given without limit. How can the Holy Spirit in John be given without limit? It means that you are constantly pouring out so that he can pour into you. Church, that's our cry and that's our call to you today.
It can't be in one area. It can't be a sip of Chardonnay. It's got to be all. You have got to pour out all that causes you to denounce your fears, to denounce what other people, what you're worried about, which is other people around you and what they think about you, about your own fails. It causes you to get your eyes off of yourself and begin to get your eyes to be a fountain to the nations. There's no more secret. There's no more cloudiness in how you're going to achieve what God has given you to achieve, which is what he's given us as a church to achieve. There's no cloudiness here. The clarity of you becoming a fountain to the nation is that you pour out all, all the time. Mighty God, we come before you right now. Lord, may we learn to pour out all, all of our breath, Lord, all of the blood, all of the sacrifice, Lord. Pour out all, Lord. Teach us how to do that now. This is the only way that we can achieve your will. It will not be in the strength of a man. It will not be in the intellect. It will not be in our resources. It is found in us giving all, all the time. Lord, in every way, teach us to give and pour out all our breath all our blood, all the water, all the oil, the word, the intercession. Help us to pour out all that we have, Lord, and that your limitless supply may fill us and keep filling us and always fill us without limit, Lord. Lord, let us rise up that we might be a fountain to the nations today. Mighty God, I pray over those at this altar. Lord, I pray that you help open their eyes to see. See where they have limited you. See where they limited what they need to pour out all. Lord, let your wellspring of life come to life inside of them. Lord, let it refresh and renew who they are standing rightly before you. What you've called them to and how to achieve it now. Lord, help their eyes see the life and the family that's in front of them now and how to pour into them everything that you're pouring in to these people. Lord, thank you for your spirit that leads us into all truth. And I pray that the hearts of those at this altar, Lord, are refreshed, restored, and renewed. They have right vision and perspective of who they are and how to accomplish what you call them to.